Hey, hey everybody. So uh, you might be asking a little, uh, let's do a little check-in here. Because uh, it's Sunday night, and you might be asking, where in the ha- where in the name of Jean Luc's T is my episode of TNG? And so, just a heads up, like I think we're going to take a three week break. This will be week one uh, from TNG, just so I can get caught up on my initial watches of the show, and to avoid my burnout or audience burnout. I think I learned from uh, doing the Breaking Bad ones. Uh, that while consistency is important, there, there's also something to my stubbornness and that maybe taking brief, short breaks. Uh, so they'll probably take a break here, three weeks, and we'll go back to TNG, maybe to the start of uh, Breaking Bad, se- I mean, to the uh, GOT season. Uh, not positive on the scheduling. So don't worry, TNG will be back. I'll be right back. And uh, just a little break. And this is a theme break to dur- during a themed week. This week might be the only themed week. This is Goonies week here on Sleep With Me. Tonight we're kicking off Goonies week. And I think these next three Sunday episodes will be tail of the tape episodes, which means like, uh, if, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know, my, my mind is, uh, like Swiss cheese, like that, that you've left outside. And then mice have also, you know, the, the, so it's got more, more holes than Swiss cheese. Definitely. Is it? Well, never mind. Let's not. Let me not go on a tangent about Swiss cheese. I should save it for the open scoots. But so, um, so the next three weeks we're going to talk about the, the seminal summer of whatever night, whatever year it was. I don't remember. And what tell the tape episodes are is like, uh, how do I remember the movie? And tonight we'll be doing Goonies, uh, and it was part of that seminal summer of nineteen. 19- 85, 4, 6, 86 probably, 85, and I've talked about it on the show, maybe not recently, but that was when I was like, uh, I had a paper route, so I was flush with movie cash, and I would reach the age where my parents uh, trusted my best friend and I, Bo, to go to the movies, and I think sometimes my bro- like my brother Carl and my sister Sheila could join us. And this was the summer that uh, Goonies, uh, a James Bond movie, A View to a Farm, and Back to the Future all came out during that period, I believe. Again, I'm not a, you know, I put people in hysterics, not even hysterics, the other one. I don't know, somebody said that to me once. They think they wrote it in a negative histronics or something. Uh, But I don't, I don't, um, whatever, I but so, uh, that summer I saw those three movies each at least, no, no, no less than five times. I, I'm pretty sure I saw Goonies. So I think it was $2 to see a matinee for a child. It may have been even less. So yeah, like I'm not exa- I'm no, I'm no, I'm not super old, but uh, you know, I'm not super young either. And, but, uh, so I remember going to Goonies and I've talked about this. It's also the summer. I still played with toys. Uh, I mean, I still like, but that's not news to anybody who listens to this podcast. But I mean, I think that was the age when most children my age stopped playing with toys, but I, I did not. And so I still played with G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Fisher, Pro- whatever toys I could construct a narrative around. And usually that narrative would involve reenacting the movie that I had seen. And so I was reenacting a lot of this James Bond movie, A View to a Farm. 
which we'll cover next week maybe. But uh, at some point during playing it, I can remember I had a snowmobile and it was jumping and I remember holding it in the air and it had the G.I. Joe uh, snow dude, whatever his name was, you know, blizzard back or something. And he, like I said, holy cow, somebody makes these movies that I've been watching this summer. And that's the first time, I mean, I knew, you know, that it just like dawned on me uh, that people professionally, storytelling was a profession. And then those dreams were crushed by mostly by myself and partially by a sister. Well, I don't want to name her. You know, but we return to the, you know, we're back now, you know, whatever, it's 35, I don't even know how many years have passed. We're back. We're back telling stories. So that's, that's, but we better get into Goonies, you know, so we can, like, I don't even know if I could tell it in half time. And what a magical film. And now, huh, we may, if only I knew how it opened, I'm pretty sure the opening scene is the Fratelli's is a chase, like, I think it's, like, two or three scenes. Like, one we're following, like, I think it's a montage, maybe sent to, set to music. I don't know what last time I saw Goonies, even on TV. It's been a while. But so I think the opening is, like, a montage set to music with, uh, like, uh, the Fratellis being chased in their car. And then Chunk, like, I remember Chunk goes, like, sees some of it and eats pizza and, like, loses his pizza in his soda against a window. I think Mouth is probably going over to Mikey's house. For some reason, there's a housekeeper. I don't, I never understood that, like, uh, character very well. But uh, she was, she, Mikey's mom's also hiring them. And so Mikey, and at some point, Data and Mouth go over to Mikey's house to hang. And Mikey's mom, you know, is like, you guys got to take things seriously. And the main crux of the situation is that they're losing, like, the area where I think they're all renters. So really, talk about relatable for me. You know, they're not landed gentry. No offense if you're landed gentry. That's great. But you know the the renters, I believe, in that the they're uh, they've like the develop the uh, golf course development company that Troy's dad owns. I think I don't know. Interesting. This plays right into modern day, like uh, is annex that to expand the golf course or something. So the, then they call the area the Goondocks, and it seems like a working class neighborhood. And I don't know if I have no idea the setting. I think I always say it's in Augusta, Maine, but I just could be making that up. And so everybody's a little down, and at some point Chunk comes over, and he has to do the truffle shuffle. We see different data. Data does like a James. Data loves James Bond, so I like to data choose data. I think data lives next door, because uh, he comes by Skyway to see Mikey, like like acting out his James Bond fantasies. He's kind of like part Q and part James Bond. Data. And then Mouth comes over, and then at some point Brand shows up, or Brand. And again, this is not comedy. I don't know if his name is Brand or Brant. I think it's Brand, though. I always assumed it ended in a D, like Brand name. But, it, like, I've never met anyone else named Brand or Brant. I think there's probably, I know some Brents out there. But it's not important. Let's just agree to call him Brand for the rest of the episode. Or I'll try not to say his name too much to, like, for anybody. It's like, 
you know, especially if Josh Brolin's played by the great Josh Brolin. So at some point, the, the you know, the mom says, don't mess around. Brand's in charge. He says, don't mess around. And then the boys, like Mikey, there's there's not a call to adventure. We'll not, let's not break down the story. But Mikey, let me see if I, what I can remember. At some point, they go upstairs to look through the dad's stuff. I think nowadays, this, like I think the dad has pilfered things from his workplace. He works at the like Augusta Museum or the Historical Society. He's keeping some stuff in his attic. And this was this was the eighties. It was a looser time, you know. People like uh, you don't know. I don't think his dad was up to anything. He just it was just a, like a convenient place for his son to start his adventure. So they go upstairs, and they're not supposed to mess anything up. But, of course, uh, Chunk's clumsy, Data's a little bit clumsy, Mouth's, like, triggers clumsiness, Mikey has asthma, and I think they're just up there searching, maybe for answers. I don't know if Mikey already suspected that there was a treasure map, but then they find the treasure map. Uh, I think Tongue sticks his... uh, it, it, mouth's always making like slightly double entendre jokes so he sticks his tongue through a painting i think which causes chunk to fall which causes a painting to fall which reveals the map one-eyed willie's treasure map and they also find the bloom which they'll use and then they say this is probably nothing get this part's hazy for me and at some point, Mikey still takes the lead. He says, I think this is a treasure map, and I think we can figure it out. Let's go do it. And it, it felt like a summer break. So, to get, I mean, after a little while of debating, and I mean, this plays, I mean, this is why these movies are so good, like Stranger Things or whatever, because this plays to this uh, uh, distinct fantasy. I guess we still have as adults, because Stranger Things really appealed to it. Uh, but, uh, of uh, the real call to adventure. I remember being so titillated by this uh, and seeing, why can't, why can't this pull me out of my dull life? And and, uh, why can't my, and it's like, oh, it's a, it's a, that's what movies do for you. Really? So they head off on the adventure uh, in order to get away. I think, cause they think they're supposed to pack up or something. Mikey's supposed to do something. They have to trick Bran rant or whatever and uh, they trick him and then they run and then he knows he's going to be in trouble also he's wearing shorts on the outside of sweatpants and so let's just get that out there uh i think i don't know i guess through the whole movie and so then he has to take a little girl's bike because they flatten the bike tires of his brand new tires which was not nice that he had worked so hard for so he borrows a little girl's bike, and then he chases them. But on his way, he runs into Frank Whaley, is the actor. Troy, I guess, is his name. And Andy and Martha Plimpton's character, whose name I don't know. I just know her as Martha Plimpton. So those three, so then they kind of like, uh, Frank Whaley or Troy kind of uh, tries to like, uh, Masculate brand, which is a mistake, because holy cow, I mean, it's a freaking Josh Brolin, even at age whatever, 16, he was very, very, uh, what's that word, uh, like brawny. I mean, one of the few people that could probably pull off sweatpants with shorts on the outside, it may, other than my father. That was the one thing I said, like I said, well, it makes him less cool in my book because my dad does that, and he's been doing it for like eight years. 
But, you know, Maine's a different place. So uh, then Bran, but then Bran realized, like, then the uh, Andy and Martha realized that Bran's, like, much cooler than this uh, rich cat. So at some point they cross paths with the other kids. I don't know how that happened. I think, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know how that happened. And then they, like, Mikey uses the diplome and then Brand, they all say, hey, let's join this adventure. It's not that simple, but, you know, for me it is. And so then they all go together and they find this, this building out on the coast that's aligned with these rocks. And Mikey's like, that's where, I think there's a riddle in there. I wish, you know, my brother Kenneth, he's really got one of those steel trap mines. He would, he would know all, he'd say, well, where the water goes low, you sink in the sand and the treasure's found by digging with your hand or something. But so they decide to go into this, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, this inn, I don't know if it was like a closed down restaurant or an inn. It happens to be the place that the Fratellis are using as a hideout. And I don't know the exact events at the, how, like the, 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 um, how they stack the events here. But what happens is they say, well, they think this is the right place. We just got to get low enough. At some point, Chunk recognizes that it's the getaway car. He sees the Fratellis car. But he's kind of like the um, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, like always warning, oh, no, you know, like they, everyone tunes him out. So then they go into the inn. Uh, I don't know if it's before Mafratelli or after. That's one of the places they get mixed up. But it, like in different parts in, in, in this inn or this restaurant, first they get like a false adventure because they, uh, I guess this is later. Huh, what it was so... At some point, they go in, and Mafratelli's there, and she says, what do you want? And then they say, water. Uh, we were going to, you know, we just saw that. We, and so then she gives them all water, or maybe just Mikey. Then Mikey goes and sneaks and goes to the bathroom, just barely spots Sloth, but then he goes back upstairs. He realizes that there's, like, a basement. It gives me it was getting towards the winter, like this is like a summer restaurant. Um, uh, but then... Uh, at some point, maybe Mafratelli leaves for a second because then, and then they sneak back in and they go in the basement. They accidentally find a counterfeiting machine. At first, they thought it was printing money, but then it was ended up as counterfeit. Then they find the surprise in the ice cream, or maybe chunk it. Then, like, uh, the Fratellis come and they realize the kids are in there or something. And then they leave Chunk Excel goes in the ice cream freezer, try some ice cream, and then everybody else go like they knock something they knock a water thing over and they realize hidden in the uh, fireplace is like a, a path to adventure. Uh then Chunk so Chunk gets left behind and then like because they know the Fratellis are there, it's, it's something along those lines. So then they say, Chunk, go get help. So then Chunk says, okay, I'll go get it. I'll go, I'll go tell the Fratellis. So then they enter, they cross the threshold, I guess. And Chunk goes and tries to get help. But he, of course, he, the people he stops to get help are the Fratellis. And so he's back with the Fratellis, which is some real good comedy. Uh, and I'll just play, we'll just follow that like thing there. So Chunk goes with the Fratellis, uh, don't know all the, like, there's Ma Fratelli, and then there's the Fratelli guys, uh, whose names I don't know. 
And I probably should know the actors' names, but I don't off the top of my head. Uh, one actor really, like, in the um, aughts, had, he was in The Sopranos, he was in uh, the first Matrix, and then the other actor, he's always very strong in everything he's in, he's, but uh, more of a character actor, and then Ma Fratelli, I think she was in that, she was in uh, uh, Throw Mama from a Train, and uh, Stop Me, like in a movie with Stop or My Mom, will spray you with her water gun, I think. Um, so she was kind of like playing a little bit of an archetype, we'll say, in a kind way. And so they get Chunk, and then they quiz Chunk, and that's like a very, uh, where Chunk spills his beans. Uh, so then Chunk spills his beans, but he also like gives Mike a warning. And then we're like, so, and then Chunk meets up with Sloth, and they think that's kind of, that's a ch- the Chunk uh, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence uh, Chunk uh, summary. Now, oh boy, this, uh, the, the main portion of the story here with this, so the, so who, so who enters into the, uh, like, uh, they enter into the unknown is, uh, Mikey and Bran. Maybe it's a Bran. I never thought of that till just now, like the kid from GOT. Uh, who knows? And the mouth and data and Andy and Martha. And so they enter and I think they, is it right away they encounter a series of tests? I, I, I'm not sure, but there's like a couple different tricks and uh, they have to kind of outwit these. Like uh, data kind of realizes that then data leaves. Or maybe Data's leaving things behind to warn them if Fratelli's follow. Uh, then they find out. Then they find Chester Copperpot. And that's like their first time where everybody realizes the gravity of the situation. They say, uh, like, wow, Chester Copperpot, uh, that there's like, that One-Eyed Willie's not going to make it easy for them to find One-Eyed Willie's treasure. Because uh, they realized kind of Chester Copperpot was in search of the same thing, and he decided to stop. Barely part, barely not even. I don't even think he made it a quarter of the way. And he found a nice, like, big thing, and he said, "Well, let me lie here and uh, rest until I decide to visit a farm," which he did. And so they make it past that part, and then I have no idea. Like, I think it's like tr- going back and forth between a chunk story and their story. So you have to apologize. I think I'm trying to think what other. Hey, honestly, my mind is blank, like, in this part. Uh, like, there's also a part where Mikey and Andy kiss, but I think that's later. That is later. So we'll get to that later. Uh, but, uh,. Let's see. So I think, it, like, uh, I have no idea what happens. So I think they go past the rocks. And I think at another point they have to choose which way they're going to go. And one of those, they, they have torches, uh, which I think maybe they got those from Chester Copperpots. And I really hope my brain catches them. I mean, so what other things did they, uh, like, other than the, the rocks at this part? I really can't think of what else they did, but I think some other stuff really tired them out. Uh, you think maybe knowing the Fratellis were coming, I think they encountered, uh, you know, uh, 
like like fuzzy friends, like flying flying fuzzy friends, like uh, underground birds, and that that kind of made them be like, huh, I don't like that. I don't know if there was any like. Uh, no, I guess in my mind is blank, tail of the tape. But then at some point they reach, uh, I think this is the midpoint of the movie. I mean, you stop me if I'm wrong, but I'm by myself, so I don't think that'll happen. But I think right at the midpoint-ish, they reach the wishing well. And they see it from afar, and it's sparkling, and there's it's lit from above, and there's water and pools of clean water. And they think, wow, we've made it. It wasn't as hard as we expected. You know, we, we, we did it. And they jump in and everyone's happy. So maybe Andy kissed Mikey by accident here, but I don't know. And, uh, uh, at some point, Martha Plimpton and, uh, Mouth start to get along, uh, cause he could be kind of, uh, mean. Yeah, but quickly they start gathering up the gold stuff, the rich stuff, and then they realize uh, they never got this joke, and I, I guess they still haven't got it. But at some point, uh, Mouth says, uh, how come Martin Sheen's on this dime? And, and uh, someone says, Martin Sheen, that's uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower or something. I don't know. Did Martin Sheen play Dwight D. Eisenhower? Who's on the dime? One. Two, uh, what am I talking about? But three, something like that happens, and they realize that it's it's only a count for, it's not a real gold, the balloons, or the balloons, whatever, however you say that, uh, that it's uh, that it's a whatever you call that wishing well, because uh, then someone throw like then they hear voices, and then someone throws in a quarter, but it's really Troy wishing that he could uh, kiss Andy. And then they realize that they're down there and they say, hey, we can get you out. Uh, and this is like your chance like uh, uh, to give up. Everybody's wet and they're cold and they're tired and they haven't eaten. And they realize this adventure has stakes. And what are the stakes? Like you get rich, un- the unknown. There's no certainty. But there is certainty that they could leave at this point, that Troy could get them out. And they're also, they realize there's an antagonist and that it, maybe it's time to give up. And most people give up. And then Mikey makes his big speech, uh, down here, it's our time. I don't remember much else about his speech other than that part, but it's a good one. And he stands there and he inspires everyone. He says, you know, what, what do we come here for? We came here for adventure and to save the goondocks and we can't give up and... You know, what, what do we have to lose? And they said, well, even if we have a lot to lose, we have a lot more, you know. He inspires everyone. And they they hear his, like, his speech, and he's their leader. And so they continue on. And maybe there's a lull next. Maybe that's when the kissing happens, but I'm not sure. Uh, but So I think there's a pause in there, but I, I don't quite remember uh, what happens next exactly? Again, this is the tail of the tape. So you know the tail, <laughs> the ta- the tape, the tape was magnetic. It got uh, exposed to you know charges. So then, uh, I guess we enter the next phase of their exploration. And from what I can remember, 
which isn't, you know, that's not that, not a ton. Like, I remember at some point they re-encounter the Vertellis, uh, and then they have to go over this log. Uh, across, they have to cross this river, cross a log on the river. The Fratellis are right behind them. I don't know if this is the point that Chunk and Sloth rejoin them. Maybe not. Maybe that's later. Like, at some point, Chunk and Sloth become friends and then pursue their friends. But maybe that's like, maybe they just go by themselves. That's a good question. I have no idea what happened. So, but at some point here, like, they're crossing this log and the Fratellis are real close. And they say, you know, we got you, kids. And then the kids, they run across the log then Dady uses uh, slick shoes, which is like uh, another James Bond car thing where you squirt oil out of the back of your car. He squirts it out of the back of his sneakers. And that slows the Fratellis down because the two guys can't get across the log and they get injured and Ma Fratelli gets mad. And the next test they encounter, I believe, is the uh, like this um, piano test. Uh, it's like this organ, and they realize that the, uh, the they have to play the notes from the back of the map to get through, but the map's partially messed up, and Andy's the only one that took piano lessons. And if you play the wrong note, like a part of the ground, like part of the ground falls away, which actually is good. Like I never understood that because it like kind of gets rid of the way the Fratellis are following them. Yeah, uh, but there's a good joke in there because you say, "Well, I don't know is that blankety blank or B flat," and somebody says, "If it's if you're wrong, we'll all be flat." And I really liked that joke. Uh, and it it becomes a teamwork. Like Andy's the lead because she's the one that took the piano lessons and she's the one trying to solve it. But they're all trying to encourage her because, of course, she has doubts. Uh, because what if she's wrong? You know that. that uh, and the set, I mean, the sets and all this were really, really cool. Like, uh, for a kid, it was just so cool. Like, stuff I'd never seen before at this quad, like, where it didn't, like, uh, I don't know, where everything just fit together and all my beliefs were suspended or all my disbeliefs or whatever. So then they get, they solve that puzzle, but just barely. And actually, I think they even, like, data has to save. I don't know if, how many people like Data uses like a like a slinky with a, like fake teeth to save himself and maybe a couple other people. Is there also a fake out where they think somebody else is gone and then they're all sad? I don't know. You don't know if that that happens. But they solve that and a door open, like a big door opens. They go through that door. And then at some point they get on a water slide, which was cool, but never made, like, and I thought about the mapping. I said, okay, they're up high, and they take the water slide down. But it was, like, clearly like a water slide with just a few decorations uh, added to it. And it looks so much fun, like, watching the, the actors and actresses go through the water slide, especially as a kid. But it, for some reason, it just stuck out to me, too. I was like, what, what's with the, that's a water slide. Uh, but it, like, it, it said, would you, and then just thinking about One-Eyed Willie's construction team, I was always like, how did, how did they pull that off? But whatever, they did. So, let's see. So, when I, so then they go down the water slide, and then they end up in this great lagoon. 
and then they see a giant ship. And I think at another point, like it's famously cut out of the movie. Uh, there's like a silly part with like, uh, like, uh, like, what do you call that? Uh, like, a, like uh, fish friends where fish friends come, but that part was cut out of the movie. And I think you can see it on YouTube. I don't know if it's on the DVD. I don't even know if I have a way to play a DVD at home, but, uh, whatever, but not, not super important. Um, but so they see One-Eyed Willie's ship and then they get on One-Eyed Willie's ship and... That's cool, but it's like Mikey, like the cool things are like Mikey is now like really coming of age and he's really their leader and he gets to have a moment and and take it all in and then they have a moment where they like, they're really basking in like uh, how they beat One-Eyed Willie, but also respectful, like Mikey's like, okay, we're only going to take what we need. We're not going to steal all One-Eyed Willie's stuff. And one key thing here is the marble bag. Like at some point, I don't know who it is. Uh, I don't even know what character it is. Uh, I guess it's Mikey. Like has a marble bag of marbles, and they trade the marbles for gems. But everyone's like taking gold. I mean, it's just a, like a treasure ship full of tra- pirate pirate booty, I guess. And everyone's very happy, and that's it. Like it's victory. But, of course, it wouldn't be a movie without one last, like, a turn. So everyone's happy. I don't know again. I guess at this point, Chunk and uh, uh, Sloth still haven't caught up quite yet. And there's also a little tiny subplot that, like, Earl Fl- like Chunk liked, or uh, uh, Sloth liked watching Earl Flynn movies. And, of course, they liked eating Baby Ruth. Or, or Lawrence had had a baby Ruth that he shared with Chunk. But so the Fratellis come and they, they kind of like, it's a, like a slow surprise. Like my Fratelli just says, ha, 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 you know. And then they take all the gold back from the kids and the kids are defeated. And then they make the kids walk the plank. And you say, geez, like, uh, this is like terrible. Like not only, hopefully the kids will just get to go home. But, uh. You know, like, and also Mikey, like, cautions us before, you know, he says, let's not be too greedy, which is an important part, I guess. And then Chunk and Sloth come in uh, Earl, Earl, Earl Flynn fashion, save the day and uh, save all their friends. Now they have to, I guess, every, you know, it's like you have to choose, like, do you want the rich stuff or do you want to get away? And they say, let's get away. Because uh, they still can't defeat the Fratellis. But then the Fratellis are too greedy, so they set off this uh, contraption. I guess in for, is this like in a, like, what are those called with the, oh, I don't, I can't think of the name of it, but like one of those things that, got, you know, a very complicated machine that uh, decides to cave, like, to, like, open the cave that the ship is, is, is sitting in and activate the sailing ship to go sailing, uh, but also causing, like, a lot of, uh, like, stuff falling from the ceiling and stuff. Uh, so, like, uh, the, the kids got to get out of there, basically. And so everybody, like, makes a run for it. Uh, and then they, uh, 
Like, they, then they can't find it, and then they finally, they, you need sloth strength to, to move this one rock. Like, they're about to get away, then this rock falls. And then uh, Trunk and Sloth have become very uh, uh, close. And, like, it, but Sloth has, like, Sloth decides, well, I'll save these kids, but maybe I won't, like, uh, get away. And it's a very heartfelt moment because you can tell Lawrence and Sloth are connected at the heart. And, that they love each other. And, you know, Lawrence even says, oh, you know, like, you could come live with me. I don't know. It's just a touching moment. And, you know, it's seemingly Sloth makes a sacrifice so the children can get away. Uh, then the children get away, and then they realize, bummer, like, uh, we got away, but, uh, you know, we didn't get any gold, so we kind of failed. But we realized, you know, the importance of friendship and teamwork and love. So that's pretty sweet. So we could carry, you know, we're just kids, so we got a whole life to live. So we got that going for us. And then they encounter, like, that they've been gone for a while. And so, and I don't think we, like, uh, there's a lot of product placement in this movie. Not that that's a criticism, but I think there's a, they either have pizza or a KFC waiting for them. And I always said, whatever, whatever fast food they had, we didn't have in Syracuse at the time. And I remember, you know, not being able to reenact every scene of uh, Goonies was hard. Not being able to, I don't know if it was pizza or, uh, or fried chicken. But, uh, or something else. Oh, maybe it's Dunkin' Donuts. I think it was probably Dunkin' Donuts. But so then the parents have been looking for their kids, and so everyone's reunited, and it's like a very heartfelt moment. And we see all the kids' parents and how they're a reflection of one another. You know, that's kind of like a, a very, very dated, a little bit 80s. Uh, well, you know, not too bad. And then. Uh, we see that Mikey's kind of become a man, and symbolically, I don't think he needs his uh, inhaler anymore. And I think he even kisses Andy again. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's projecting. Uh, but you know, he, there's very, multiple levels of heroism. Everybody's a hero, and all the con- like small conflicts, like between Martha Stewart and or Mar- Martha Plimpton and Mount, that've been resolved, and they like each other. And I think Data realizes that he's more than, like, he's the greatest invention, I think, is what his parents say or whatever. You know, he's more than his, uh, like, he's just fine. He doesn't need a bunch of flashy, uh, cube-like invented objects. And then Chunk realizes that he loves Sloth, and they're reunited, and then the Fratellis get uh, in trouble uh, and then also, like, like the police realize that Lawrence, you know, sometimes he tells the truth. And not everything is a tall tale. And also, the like, uh, the thing with the developer. The developer shows up at that moment to, like, foreclose on all the property. So maybe it was, I don't know, it was a foreclosure situation. Maybe he bought all the mortgages. I, I don't know. Or maybe the dad owned all that property, Mikey's dad, whatever. Like, uh, Mikey's dad has to sign away. Like, they, they picked that moment to, to sign away. So it's like a, like a, no, this must have really been tough deciding, but it really adds to the motion because uh, it's kind of unexpected to say, okay, they're going to, the end of the movie is they lose their housing and he's signing it away. 
But then at the same time, this housekeeper that they'd hired at the beginning, she's going through Mikey's jacket and she finds these rubies. And she says, don't sign, you know, no sign. And uh, she says, I found these rubies. And everyone tells the developer where to take it. You know, they say, take it to the White House all the way to the top. I mean, they first hit the road. And then the developer says, well, I'll show you. You know, because they even, like, write on his, like, nice coat with a pen. And then the next thing we see is, like, the, the pirate ship going out to sea. And, you know, everyone says, oh, I guess that's when they say, oh, you're not a liar, Lawrence. It really was a pirate ship. And, I mean, as, even as a kid, I said, well, who owns the, the, the rich? Like, can't they just go get that ship? Where's the ship going to go? Why did One-Eye Willie make the ship uh, go back into uh, shipping mode? And then, two, once they bring the ship back, who gets the money? Like, I think I said that. Like, do they really have the rights to the rubies? Because uh, Mikey had them on him, you know. What is that? I guess possession is nine-tenths of the law, they say. Uh, so those were always questions I had. And this was like a time, like in the 80s, where this idea of treasure hunting, like, I don't know if when last time that became hot it was, but I remember there was like an NBC show with like, uh, maybe someone related to Jacques Cousteau, maybe Jacques Cousteau was on it, uh, and, uh, like, so everyone, like this idea of, uh, treasure hunting was cool. And then the, the, this adventure, and if you've seen, like, Stranger Things, you've never seen Goonies, like, go ahead and see it. And then, the only, like, I'm, I was always waiting for the next Goonies. And I think Super 8 might have been the closest thing. And there could have been things I missed in between Stranger Things and Goonies. And they're definitely different, a lot different tonally. Uh, but on a, like, whatever spirit level, they're very, uh, very close. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know if Goonies was PG. I don't know what you'd rate uh, Stranger Things. But I think one thing that works is, like, the casting and the acting. And that's where the heart, that's where, like, that's where Stranger Things, I think, uh, in Goonies, I guess, I'm, I'm like, it's too bathed in nostalgia, but, like, where, wow, the performances you get out of youth make her, like, really... The uh, project really hangs on that. You can have all that great stuff, but if you don't have kids, they can come off naturally and have some sort of innate joy in adventure. They're able to transmit to the audience, uh, you know, that we can project onto them as characters. It, it, like you get like this. So I don't know how they pulled that off with Stranger Things or with Goonies, where. You're just like able to, you're not like, you're not just why, you know, you're really going along uh, for the ride and both of them have bikes, but people on bikes. So that's important. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like it, like it, but, but like there's like two bad sets of bad news bears movies. And I think there's just like a hard thing when you have professional child actors, like, and then you can tell that they're acting, especially when they're trying to act like they have sass. And again, this gets confused with the nostalgia and memory, but my memory of the original Bad News Barrier movie with uh, Walter Matthau was that it was unbelievable. And I think it was even old when I was a kid, but I would watch it probably on WPIX. And uh, then at some point I did see the newer one, and it just kind of felt like too... 
It just was like, uh, it felt like accurate, like it was acting and it's not like a criticism. It's just an example of how high the bar, I know again, like, and I know this has been over talked by all of us, but, uh, just how mind blowing, like uh, the Duff brothers and everyone involved in that production of stranger things. Holy cow. And, you know, it does, it's also, I feel, feel for them because you think about, uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson and like true detective. And then like, like, like I didn't even, I didn't have HBO when season two came out, but I know it was, uh, not, not the same. And you really got to feel for everybody because you say, Jesus, it's just a lightning in a bottle or not. And, uh. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what I'm talking about sometimes. But I mean, mainly, I'm just super impressed, and also just lucky that I had the opportunity to like be like a. I don't know. And I guess if anybody's listening still, I'd love to hear. You know, if you're older than me or you're younger than me, you know, what was your Goonies? Like, what was that adventure movie or adventure TV show that drew you? along like a string like uh pulled on all pulled on your mind and your heart and your gut uh took you along for the ride i don't know it's a special thing it's a special thing these uh these these are achievements and i guess they're recognized and the recognized by uh everybody should get paid well that's on there and you should get praise and i don't know uh and I guess I maybe need to revisit Super 8 because I remember one time I saw it. And, I mean, I remember there was talk around it like, oh, maybe this will be the next Goonies. And it was also uh, Spielberg was involved in both productions. And he is one of my heroes. When I was a kid, that's who I wanted to be. So I don't know. Uh, so that's it. Uh, thanks for uh, coming along for the ride, uh, uh, Andy, you Goonie. That's me, Andy. Uh, you're Goonie checking out. Good night.